Welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Pinky Lewin, an international school student from Myanmar. Pinky, like so many young people in Myanmar, has had her life turned completely upside down by the military's illegal seizure of power. Her future, which she once saw so clearly, is now blurred. Not only has her education suffered, but the ongoing crisis in Myanmar is having a detrimental effect on her mental well-being. With a group of friends, she helps set up an organisation called Healing Buddies. Here she shares her experience of living through the coup and how it has impacted her, her family and her friends and why she will never stop fighting for her people and her country. Let's start the conversation. Hello. Hi, Pinky. It's really nice to meet you. Hi, I'm, I'm really lovely to meet you. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you too. Pinky, so you've just left Myanmar, is that right? Just recently? Yeah, I left Myanmar seven days ago. So, and now you're in Thailand? Yes, I'm in quarantine right now. Are you COVID free? Yes, I am. Lucky, Thank lucky. Yeah, 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 because so many people now have it. So do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and your, I mean, your young student, I'm guessing? Yeah, I am a student. So... I go to an international school when I was back in Yangon and many of my friends do too and like it's not a big problem for us. I mean, it's it was still difficult for us because internet connection was cut off and everything due to like the coup. But um especially the the government school students, they suffered quite a lot and um they're still suffering a lot because for example, doctors like or like doctors to be, they were supposed to get their certificates and like they were supposed to graduate from um, university and become you know doctors and start working like this year, 2021. But because of this whole cool thing, like they were unable to do that, and it really breaks my heart. It's not only with like doctors but like it was with engineers and everything every other university majors so it really breaks my heart and for international students like us we were just in a lot of distress like it was really hard for us to study because of everything going on but we still had to study because we still had our education going on and everything so it was kind of hard for us to study but we still had to so how did you get across to thailand thinking what was it what were you there on a a tourist visa or do you have a thai passport as well or oh i have a burmese passport our family decided to come because we were um kind of scared of what was going on in myanmar and I'm in 12th grade. I'm going to be in 12th grade in August. So it's my senior year and I'm graduating this year. So it's really important for me. So my school is in the U.S. actually. I started going to an American high school in California last year. So 
My personal problem was that since internet was cut off at night during the first few months of the school, I couldn't go to school and I missed a lot of school. And that goes the same with other students who were doing online school in like other countries. And that was one of our difficulties. And I struggled a lot. So I figured I had to escape Myanmar in order to continue my education. So you were studying in a an international school overseas, not one, not a local international school. So you were already enrolled, but you you could you you planned to go there, I assume, but you couldn't because of COVID. Is that is that why you were online initially? Yes, yes, and I used to go to a local international school until tenth grade, but starting from eleventh grade, I went to an international school um, abroad. And Pinky, so you're in Thailand now, and I, I guess you're trying to get a visa to get over to start school in August or September. Is that your goal now? Yeah. Also, right now, COVID is really bad, not only in Myanmar, but it's also pretty bad in Thailand. So we just have to be very careful. But it's not as bad as it is in Myanmar and it really breaks my heart to hear the news every day and like the guilt of leaving my country during this time it really makes me feel guilty it breaks my heart because everyone's I don't know if you've heard but over the past few days um, they couldn't even buy eggs anymore eggs are usually 100 to 125 chats but now eggs, like, it's about 400 per egg now. For one egg, you have to pay 400 chats. This is because people believe or, or some information went around saying that eggs will help prevent COVID or, or cure you from COVID. Is it something like that? Yeah, I think so. And also uh, eggs are getting scarce because uh, the military confiscated them from vendors. Because they didn't want the people to buy them. And, you know, because eggs were good for um, your health and it really helped you strengthen your immune system and stuff. That's the information that's going around, which I think is true. And so the military is confiscating eggs from vendors. And um, from what I've heard the other day, my aunt went out to buy some medicine and the soldiers they came and they forced people who were buying medicine to leave and anyone donating medicine or mask or anything that could help prevent covid were being punished are being punished now so things are really 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 hard for people in Myanmar because it's either die from gunshots or die from COVID. It's really hard for them right now. So I really want the world to pay attention. Pinky, I assume like the coup happened in February and it's now July and you, you just left seven days ago. So I assume as a family, you were trying to stay like, and, and you've obviously felt that you had to leave. How how much have things deteriorated in these few months that you, you felt you had no choice but to leave the country? The thing is, we've been hearing a lot about countries were sanctioning us and not a lot of flights went out. And 
I personally had a lot of bad experiences, I guess. I've experienced some friends being caught by the military. And I'm sorry if I'm um, hesitating right now. It's just there are so many I want to say. That the, the don't, exact don't worry at all. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, it's just that I live in a place where um, a lot of bombs go off. And it's just very uncertain when it will be my house. And another reason is that it's just unsafe and in, in general. Mainly left the country to continue my education. And Pinky, um, for your family then, are, are they able to go abroad with you or will they try and stay in Thailand or what options are available to them? They can go to, I think it will depend on the decision they make. We actually haven't decided that yet, but we're still talking about whether they'll stay in Thailand and return to Myanmar once things settle or um, come with me to the U.S. and then go back to Myanmar when things settle. Like, it's just really uncertain for us. Things are just really blurry for us right now because we left. Um, so our family, we decided to leave Myanmar like really suddenly. Like, we, um, we didn't plan this ahead, actually. We, we left just like, we were like, oh, that's Thailand. I think it might be safer then. And we did all the process in a week we left. So we don't really have a plan right now. Were you afraid leaving that you might be stopped at the airport or that you might not be able to get out? Yes. Actually, I was very scared of the police. Like, they were everywhere in the airport as well. So I was really scared they might check my phone. I spoke out a lot online and I was really worried about my safety. Because in the past, they've checked phones and whenever they see something that something you posted or shared or said or even like photos you saved, if it goes against them, then you're in a lot of danger. So, Great. You mentioned that you had some friends, that you knew friends that had been arrested. Was that for speaking out on social media too or were they involved in, in protests? So they were involved in a protest. So they they were caught and they stayed. She was in jail for about five days. Luckily, she got out. She was a badminton player. And and what age? What age is your friend? Ah, uh, I think she was nineteen. Yeah, Have you spoken to her since she was released? No, I actually just heard about her and I heard she was released. Um, she didn't contact any of us afterwards. Um, she wasn't very active on social media. So, Pinky, tell us a little bit about like what people are doing on social media because I know you're very active and there's a lot of young activists who have become activists, you know, students who are not, I guess, willing to accept um, what's happening in Myanmar and this kind of brutal crackdown by the military. What's kind of inspired you and your generation this time to speak out? We're done doing what they say. Like, we're so done of 
brutality, and we will not. Uh, it's just we can't tolerate their whole logic, I guess. Uh, we can't tolerate what they're saying and what they're telling us to do. It's just wrong, you know. Like freedom of speech, and we don't have that anymore. Like we used to have that with the last government, but now. This illegal government, I I have no idea what they're doing except violence. Like I actually have, I'm just at loss for words. I'm so sorry. It's just there's so much I want to say, and so many young people have died during protests, and these people are like very precious to us. Yeah, and we. I will forever be grateful for them fighting for us. It's yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, please let me take a moment to um like organize my thoughts. Yeah, no yes. problem, Pinky. Take take as much time as you want. Um, yeah, you're doing really well, Pinky. It's really interesting what you're saying. So just take your time. We're not in a rush. On February first, um, uh, in the morning, we first heard. Our leader Aung San Suu Kyi was、um, arrested, like, and we were in so much shock, and we were just panicking in general because we really depended a lot on her. And at first, they didn't do much. Like for the first three or four days, they didn't sh- shoot yet. But afterwards, they started showing violence. Like one by one, they kill a person the first time, and then like they start killing more people. It just kept、um, the number just kept growing. Yeah. And Pinky, for people now in, in Myanmar, young people like you're one of the lucky ones who, as you say, you attend an international school, you have an opportunity at education. What options are available to those still in the country? I mean, we know many people have joined the resistance. Others are continuing to participate in civil disobedience movement. But for your average young person, what options are left for them? I mean, school is out because of COVID. I know a lot of people weren't going anyway. I mean, maybe some international schools will be able to try and continue online. But it doesn't sound to me like there's a lot of options left for for young people. That really depends on like that. Region you're in, but like none of the options are good. For for instance, in places like Gachin, Karen,、um, because they're running away from soldiers, like they don't even have a choice. Any like they just have to run away. They don't have education. And for people, young people in Yangon, Mandalay, the military, like the government. Want them to come back to school, but most people, like most young people, won't go back to school because we don't want to accept them as our government. Like we don't want to accept the education they're gonna give us. So that's what most young people are thinking. So most young people are giving up education to show this illegal government that we're not accepting them as our government. But I did hear there were online classes going on, like free online classes going on by、um, some teachers that are not part of the 
government education system. So that's good for some young people that are giving their education up, I guess. And Pinky, for those people in, in those ethnic places that you mentioned, how aware were you prior to the coup this year about their situation? You know, because having to run from the military is not new for those people. They've been doing this for, for decades. Are you only just learning about that or understanding that now that it's happening where you can see it? Has there been a shift in young people's understanding of what's been happening in ethnic areas? Um, to be completely honest, I was, okay, not only me, but most people were very, un we were unaware of the situation these ethnic minorities were going through. Like, we thought this kind of thing was something that happens, like, once in a while, maybe, like, every five years um, due to, like, small conflicts, every six, seven years. But we didn't know this was happening constantly. And now that we're learning that this happens constantly, like, we feel guilty for not reaching out to them earlier. And we feel very guilty for just not knowing in general. I mean, I guess it's easy to separate ourselves from something that's happening very far away. And I mean, we, we see it every day in the news in different countries. But when it happens to you and it comes in front of you, it, it's much harder to to ignore it from that point onwards because you've witnessed it yourself. Um, do you think that's the case for, for you now that you've seen the military and what they're capable of, that you will never be able to accept them? Yeah, we're not new to the military being like this i mean we've learned i mean i'm new of course like and most young people are new to this but like our parents are not new to this and our grandparents our aunts uncles like adults in general they're not new to this um they know how violent the military can be because of their experiences in the past like the 1988 thing you know like this kind of thing happened back in back in 1988 and 1960s um, 5-4 around that as well so we know what the military is capable of but we just didn't know that they were doing this constantly I'm just thinking of your story Pinky and what you said about how you were at an international school two years ago and your life must have been you know you're worried probably about your homework and what grades you were getting and listening to your parents talk about, you know, how the military had persecuted, how, how me and my husband suffered previously. Did you ever imagine that anything like this could happen again? Did it enter your consciousness? Was it something that you thought, this is something in the past, this is a Myanmar's past? Honestly, no, I never thought it would happen again since um, the last government came, since our leader on since, since she came to power with the NOD government, we never thought this could happen again because I'm not saying like NLD is perfect and um, everyone makes mistakes, but I'm saying I thought we thought we could see the light since they came to power because a lot of things in our lives were improving, like our freedom of speech and Small things are starting to improve, like public transport and like other things we may not notice. Yeah. So we never thought like we would have to experience 
something like this again. And we always thought it was our country is just going to get better and we can finally be one of those developed countries in a decade or so. That's what we were imagining. That that was our dream. We thought we were finally going to be part of those developed Asian countries, like not, if not Asian, like developed Southeast Asian, but now it's just a mess. Pinky, when you mentioned the bombings happening, and that they were moving through your, your area, your neighborhood, and you felt it might be a matter of time before maybe your own house was bombed. Who was carrying out these bombings? And did you feel a direct threat to your life or your family? I think the bombings, well, I don't think I know the bombings are done by the soldiers. I mean, we do have PDFs here. Um, it's a group of young people that are fighting against the military. Yeah, they won't do that to us. Okay, I think I actually shouldn't say this because it would be really controversial, but I think it's them. Like, they, they are trying to make us think, like, our people are trying to bomb us and all, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah, bombs, in general, bombs were going off very often. And for the bombings, I mean, we've heard, you know, different reports of these bombings and some some of the bombings people have said are PDFs and they're ones that are just sent kind of as a warning uh, with no intention to hurt anybody. Um, we've also heard reports of soldiers planting bombs and blaming the PDFs. But I guess it doesn't matter where the bombs are coming from. If you're living there, there's a real risk that you could get caught up in the crossfire. And, you know, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and a bomb goes off, you're, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, I, I think the PDFs, they don't bomb areas where, like, we live. They don't bomb areas where there are people. They usually bomb police stations or soldier camps, I guess, like places where soldiers live. Yeah, that's where they usually bomb, where they usually set up bombs. They usually don't do that. So whenever a bomb goes off in an area with a lot of people, we know that it's soldiers. Yeah. And Pinky, do you live in a particularly anti-military area or very pro-NLD area or are you just in a kind of, is it just a regular area, yeah. not necessarily very pro-NLD? I'm just wondering why that area was targeted so much or, or was there certain people there they were targeting? I live in Sanjiang. I'm not sure if you've heard, but most areas in Sanjiang, like people there, they're pro the and even when the military threatened us not to hit bang pots anymore, you know, I think you do know that since February 1st, we've been banging our pots to show that we are accepting the military and that we're against them. Yeah, so... We were protesting that way at night, and the soldiers came and threatened us that they'll shoot us if we kept banging pots. But from what I've heard, they my neighborhood still haven't stopped banging pots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know Sanchao is, yeah, it's been a target area, yeah. And I, I've seen that there's been a significant increase in bombings in that area. Were you there when they blocked the students in, you know, when they were protesting? It didn't happen on my street, but 
it was the other part of Stanjiang, but um, I did hear about how the students were, uh, the protesters, they were trapped and they couldn't get out because the soldiers, they surrounded the area. But a lot of people were nice. A lot of people kept these protesters and hid these protesters in their houses. So that that was really nice. And I assume, Pinky, if, if anyone was caught helping, there would be serious penalties for helping a protester like that, letting them into your house. So that, that's a bigger risk people will be taking to help others. Yes, I actually know a person that was in trouble for such case. Like, we were very close. So my friend's dad is very active. And how do I call this? He's like, He's like an activist in the street, um, but he stays low-key. He helps signal, like, uh, how do I call him? Is he like one of the kind of night watch people who kind of keep an eye and alert people to what's happening? And He's one of those night watch people, but he does that in the daytime too. Oh, okay. And he let a lot of students into his house, a lot of protesters into his house, and I don't know if you know, but there are traders in the area. Like How a, do I call a Dalan? Is it a Dalan? Dalan? Yes. The, yeah. yeah. Like a, a, what, what's the best? <laughs> somebody who, like, um, not a spy, but somebody, yeah, who will give you up to the authorities. That kind yes. of. Yes. So there were a lot of them on his street and they kept an eye on him, and they've been spotting him, letting protesters into his house and so. So they called the police on him, and the police rummaged through their whole house and the whole building, actually. And so other rooms that were hiding protesters as well. And he was in prison for about three months. He came out recently, thankfully. So he was one of those people released when they released uh, uh, hundreds of people just a couple of weeks ago, was it? Yeah. And Pinky, do you have school friends that are still in Yangon or have many of the people that you know left like you or had the opportunity to leave? I do know some people who have opportunities to leave. Like, Yeah, they were leaving for university, they were leaving for college. And since the U.S. Embassy is giving student visa Right now, they had a chance to leave. And yes, I do know some people from Myanmar that are in Thailand right now, like that came to Thailand for various reasons. But a lot of my friends are still in Yangon and they are scared. Pinky, I'm just thinking of what you said at the beginning when you talked about students, particularly those who were your medical students who were due to graduate. When you've got a whole group of people like who were due to finish their universities, maybe they were finishing their master's degrees or their bachelor's degrees, and they never got to complete the year. The coup happened in February, and now they have no qualification. Even though they've studied for years towards it, they have no way to further their education to get themselves out of the country. I mean, they have no choice now, really, but to fight this, to try to win so that they can have their futures back. Yeah, so the only choice they have left right now is to fight against the military because otherwise 
like you said, like their futures are just very dark right now. It's very blurry for them because they have no qualifications and without qualifications, I think it would be very hard to get jobs, especially because for doctors, they've been studying to become doctors. They studied really hard to become doctors like all their lives. So they've been committed to this one thing that it'd be very hard for them to do something else as well. So I really feel bad for people who went to government schools and people who were part of the government education system. Yeah. And Pinky, like one of the things you had mentioned was mental health, because this must be having a huge toll on everybody, old and young, in terms of the traumatic things they're going through and experiencing right now. Do you feel that that's having a real impact on you? Yes, um, not only me, but I think it has affected everyone's mental health in one way or another. I guess a lot of my friends, like, we were very lost for the first months of the coup. Like, we were just, like, we were watching the news, like, not, like, the news from the government channel, the military channel, like, Nyawadi and MRTV, because they only provide us with fake news. So, from news we see online, deaths every day, and, like, people who don't have their children anymore or children without parents now because of the violence the military caused yeah that really broke our heart and i think one of the many distresses we felt was survivor's guilt like most of us were unable to do anything but we we couldn't do anything but just watch and speak out online because most of our parents wouldn't let us go out and protest because they were also um, very worried about us and they were concerned about our safety so they wouldn't let us go out and survivor's guilt was one of the many things we went through. I think with COVID now you know I'm sure it will be the same for you but so many of our our friends and people that we know are still in the country and COVID is hitting every single one of them. I mean, when I was there for the first and second wave, I knew one person who got COVID. That was it. And now everybody I know has either got COVID or someone in their family has got COVID. And we can see, you know, these videos with the military turning away ambulances at the hospitals, not giving oxygen to the people. People are dying who could be saved with basic medical care. And that's got to be very traumatic for everyone right now, too, watching their loved ones die that don't need to die. Yeah, like you said, almost everyone I know had someone in their family or someone they know have COVID or they themselves have COVID. Yeah, it's really hard right now. And a couple of my dad's friends have died over the past week and my aunt is in critical condition right now my aunt as in my relative one of my relatives she's in critical condition right now her oxygen level is under 30 so we're guessing she won't survive yeah 
Is she getting treatment at home? Did you try to get her to a hospital? Try to get oxygen? Are you trying to, what was the process? From what I've heard, they tried to call an ambulance, but they couldn't call an ambulance. So they just went with a car to a place where they were getting oxygen, but I'm not sure if you got it or not. Like we couldn't contact it over the past hours. This happened this morning, actually. Wow, that's really bad. I'm really sorry to hear that, Pinky. I hope that she can make it and, and get the help she needs, but that's a very low oxygen reading. It's very worrying. I actually have this organization, like a tiny organization called Healing Buddies. Like people, like my friends and I, we help. We're not professionals, but we try to listen to people and we listen to their problems and what they're feeling. And from the conversations we've had, they were just really, from the past months, they were very scared that the soldiers might come in their area and fire shots. And we were pretty paranoid. Like, we were just scared all the time. Yeah, from what I've listened to, I think this whole situation has made everyone experience a high level of anxiety. Yeah. Pinky, tell us a little bit more about this organization or this program that you've started called Healing Buddies. Tell me a little bit about what that is and what it does. So we're a tiny organization where we try to collect funds to donate to people in need. And we give emotional support to people that need emotional support. Like I actually wrote this down. Can I read it to you. Yes, do, do. Yeah, it would be good just to understand what you're doing and how you're giving emotional support. So just as we were about to emerge from the pandemic era, February first happened and the cool really drained us mentally, physically, emotionally. So this excruciating pain we are all experiencing has been over months. So Everyone's lives have not been easy. So. And the mass murder of our innocent civilians and torture, kidnap, and detainment by the intolerant dictatorship have made us bystanders remorseful. I'm reading this because this is what my... I'm so sorry, I'm kind of nervous. Um, You're doing great, Pinky. Honestly, don't don't stress it. And you can stop and start as many times as you like. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm usually not this, but it's just, I want to say so much that and I'm actually mad at myself because of things I want to say, they're not coming out now that I'm actually saying it. So um, I'll just try to summarize what we do. We try to give emotional support through calls and we try to give emotional support through um, texting. We listen to people's problems and we try to make them feel better. We're not professional counselors, but we're just emotional supporters who try to make people feel better during this time. And we do fundraisers from time to time. Like we sell little things and we collect money and we do fundraisers and we would donate to people that are affected, like that are badly affected by the cool yeah 
So I assume, Pinky, that you guys that are doing this healing buddies, that you have some people on the ground that can, if people are donating to it, that they can get what's needed to people who need it, that there is people on the ground able to do that? For our first donation, one of our members actually went herself and donated to his family. Like, he was, he was shot, like, by the military, by, by the soldiers in several areas. So, he was hospitalized and they needed a lot of money for his medications and surgeries. So, we try to get some money, like we try to fundraise and we donate it to him. Yeah. So people can text in and then talk through how they're feeling. And as you say, you're just people who care. You're not trained professionals, but you're answering a need. It's an opportunity for people to reach out and have somebody to talk to, somebody to listen to them who understands what they're going through because you guys are going through it yourselves. Is that the idea behind it? Yeah, because um, sometimes people don't want to talk to professionals, but they just want a friend to listen to them and they just want to talk about how they're feeling. So even though we're not professionals, we may be able to help in some way. So that's why we came up with the group and most people in our group are students, yeah. And if somebody was looking to find your group, Pinky, where would they find it? They can find it on Facebook and Instagram, Healing Buddies, yeah. And is it safe for them to talk about who they are and using their, their real profiles? Or do you encourage people not to do that? Or is there any risks in just chatting? We guarantee them they're privacy and that's up to them if they want to keep their identity a secret we try to have zoom calls and we offer zoom calls and we try to work through this pinky what's next for you then i mean you're still in thailand while you complete the rest of your quarantine and then i mean covid could hold flights back you know we've seen Myanmar added to the red list in a number of countries like the UK so I'm I'm also worried for students who are due to start university in the UK and that they might not be able to get there because the visa office for the UK is also closed in Yangon I mean for America I know that a lot of students have their visas but they can't fly out until about four to five weeks before the start date so for a lot of people they're just hoping that the airports stay open to allow them to fly in. I know Singapore has stopped transit flights through for flights coming from Myanmar. And, you know, other countries might follow suit. So for some people who are ready to leave for university, there's a chance they might not get there with what's happening with COVID. Yeah, that was what I was scared of. That's why I came to Thailand. Yeah, I thought it'd be better here. and. I might be able to leave from here because COVID is very, I mean, it's bad in Thailand, but like the death rates are pretty low. The death rates in Myanmar, it's like the death rates are really high. So I think that is why some airports and some countries are not accepting flights from Myanmar anymore. Like, I feel like 
we've gotten so much from you today, and I think it's really great to to hear from somebody who is going through this. And I'm sure there's so many people just like you. And I know you really yeah. wanted to speak and and be heard. Is there any kind of last message you want to give to the people still in Myanmar or a message to the world or, or any last things that you didn't get to say that maybe you'd like to say? I just really want the world to keep paying attention to us. I want to tell people in my country to stay safe and to keep taking care of themselves and that we must not lose in this battle. And I'm pretty sure they know that as well. So... One thing I want to say is for the world to keep paying attention to us and to keep us in their minds and not to forget us and not to forget that we're going through a lot, not to forget that we're in a lot of danger. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing everything that you shared today. And it's fantastic what you're doing to try and help the people and mental health. It just, it seems to, Unfortunately, you have to take a back burner when you've got life and death situations and it, and it really shouldn't. So well done for setting up that body scheme. It's a really good idea. But it was, it was lovely to meet you today. So thank you for taking the time. And Tinky, I, I'm guessing that wherever you go, you're going to keep fighting for Myanmar however you can from whatever country you end up in. Yes, that's for sure because I have witnessed myself what even going through and how hard life was for the past five months of the coup. So life will only get harder with COVID. So I will not stop fighting. And I'm sure the people in my country will not stop fighting. And I'm sure they will not give up because this is our only way of seeing our future again like only if we win this battle we'll see our futures clearly again we all will keep fighting against the military thank you for listening to rnr podcast you can follow us on all major social media platforms it's at rnr podcast spelled a-H-N-A-H Please like, follow and subscribe Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts We have not forgotten you Let's keep the conversation going